Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrooks.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from Talk Sport. Hello and welcome to the game day podcast from Talk Sport with me, Sam Matterface, the former England and Leeds right back, Danny Mills, and Talk Sport's Alex Crook, as Leicester City make history. Leicester have had one or two situations where they just might have made a bit more of it. Here is Tielemans from distance, shooting to oh, the Oh, wow. what a goal. It's a brilliant drive. Rodgers runs down the touchline to celebrate. And Leicester lead in the FA Cup final. And it's Yuri Tielemans who scored the goal. Our main job this week is previewing what happens next because there's all to play for. Liverpool, Leicester and Chelsea in the race for the top four. And Tottenham, West Ham, Everton sort of fighting it out for European football. Plus managerial merry-go-round yet to start. A word on the Women's Champions League and why Everton are so bad at home. All on the ultimate preview and review of all the weekend's footballing action. From TalkSport, it's the Game Day Podcast. This is Game Day. And a warm welcome to both Alex Crook and Danny Mills. Uh, Another busy week of football action to look forward to. Um, I think what I want to start with, though, is... um, before we get into the review of the FA Cup final and what's going to happen this week, is to just quickly get your thoughts on what's going to happen now with the top four. Because thanks to Alice in Wonderland, that is set up for a fantastic final day finish. We thought all the stories had gone, but that isn't the case now, Danny. We, we could have a three-way tie going into the last day of the season. So a big week of matches now in the Premier League. Yeah, it is. Uh, and vitally important. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting one for Chelsea, isn't it? They could end up having you know, a fantastic season, winning the Champions League, having been to a cup final, or they could have a, almost a disaster, finishing fifth, losing both cup finals, you know, and one game. And, it, and their whole season hinges on that. But they've got to try and get into the, the Champions League next season. Liverpool, with that goal from Alisson, have given themselves an incredible chance. I mean, what a moment. Saw it happen at Leeds with, with Paul Robinson, you know, coming up from the back, you know, got his big head on it um, and, and glanced it in. And Alisson's done exactly the same. And of late, Alisson's probably struggled a little bit as well. But all of a sudden there, where we thought all the excitement was done and dusted, you know, the, the title's over, relegation's done. And suddenly now, actually, Champions League is where it's at. Ah, the Premier League, the gift that keeps on giving. So let's have your uh, predictions for the top four then. Crook, who's going to finish in the top four? Manchester United, Manchester City and... Crikey, you are putting me on the spot. Um, I'm going to say Leicester and Liverpool. 
Oh, okay. Danny? Leicester and Chelsea. Oh, okay. That would probably involve Liverpool dropping points to either Burnley or Crystal Palace. I'm going to go Chelsea and Liverpool on goal difference. So you think Leicester are going to lose both their games? I think... Uh, yeah, I think that. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's no, a, it's a, no, no, it's they a don't need to. They don't need to, do they? They only need to lose one of their games. They need to come lose. on, Danny. Get your shoes and socks off, mate. Should we get it toes out and to add it up because they can get sixty-nine points if they lose to Chelsea and win their game, and Liverpool can get sixty-nine points if they win all of their games. Uh, and with goal difference, they can win it on goal difference. So yeah, I think they will lose to Chelsea and then win against Tottenham, and it will be goal difference that sorts it out. That's my prediction. Uh, you can predict as well. Why don't you send us a tweet at Alex underscore Crook at Sam Matterface. And, um, well, Danny doesn't do social media, so, you know, don't bother trying to call it. the face, that's about it. <laughs> right. Okay. So we've had our say on what we think is going to happen. Let's justify it now. Starting by looking back at a terrific afternoon at Wembley. side taken by Tielemans towards the back post headed by Sionchu over the top of the crossbar now lovely turn away from Sionchu towards the edge of the area left footed shot just wide of the left hand upright collected by Mount right angle of the penalty area back to Siesh Mount wants it back again he's going to get it he's in behind by the byline produces across towards the far post might come through towards Rudiger inside the area tees it up for Thiago Silva Burner with a header missed at the back post and it goes behind and away it's uh, Thomas who delivers the ball in towards Sionchu with a free header at the near post and he steers it wide Leicester have had one or two situations where they just might have made a bit more of it. Here is Tielemans from distance shooting towards oh, the bar. What a goal. It's a brilliant drive. Rogers runs down the touchline to celebrate and Leicester lead in the FA Cup final and it's Yuri Tielemans who scored the goal. Conte, he could cross. He takes a couple of extra touches, goes down the right side, then does cross and then trying to get up there with Chilwell, hits the post, comes back towards Havertz and it's cleared behind and away for a corner. It goes out to the right. It's crossed into the box for Giroud again, then comes back for Mason what a save. Now, what a save by Kasper Schmeichel left-handed round the post and out for a corner oh. terrific effort from Mount brilliant save blinding oh. save by Kasper Schmeichel Thiago Silva clips it long Ben Chilwell round the back post takes it round the goalkeeper oh, is in Ben Chilwell formerly of Leicester has equalised for Chelsea with a bit of a helping hand with 90 seconds to go in the FA Cup final it is wow. offside, goal denied, Leicester celebrate, Chelsea denied, it's a millimetre, but Ben Chilwell's big moment is over, and Leicester's big moment might just be about to come. Chelsea nil, Leicester won, the FA Cup final was a great occasion. The emotions spilt out before and after kickoff. It felt like the first great reunion. People who haven't seen fellow supporters for 16 months, and then there was the game itself. Tight, a wonderful winner, a dramatic finale. And let's not make out that it's a massive upset because Leicester are part of the top table now, but it's good to have a new name on the trophy. Danny Mills. 
Yeah, it is. Uh, and let's be honest, Leicester are supposedly better than Chelsea at the moment. You know, that they are higher in the table. So it, it's no surprise at all. Absolute wonder goal, obviously, from, from Yuri Tillemans. Absolutely superb. What a strike that was. Or oh, at the end, was it offside? Was it not? I mean, those lines look very, very close. A little bit blurry, a little bit wonky when Chelsea equalised. And I think all Leicester fans did resign themselves to extra time and then suddenly it was like they'd scored again uh, when, it, when it was overturned but yeah it wasn't a great first half uh, but second half I think obviously both teams really went for it uh, and obviously f- from Leicester's point of view to win that trophy for Brendan Rodgers is absolutely huge because after what they did obviously winning the Premier League they've just stuttered a little bit you know last season they fell away right at the end and I think this will give them real confidence to, to kick on till the end of the season uh, I can't get too upset about the offside because this is the way it's been all season. And it's, oh, it's, it's, off, it's offside. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not debating that in, in any way, shape or form. If it's a millimetre offside, it's offside. That, that's not a problem. But I just think it was so tight. And in that moment, you know, the, the Chelsea players ran off. Chelsea fans were elated. Oh. And then all of a sudden... And actually, Leicester fans were devastated at that point. Yeah. And they took a... It took a good 30 seconds for reality to kick in. It it kind of works in a cup final where you've got an even split of supporters. So you've got the the jubilation, the delay, that gets cancelled and all of a sudden there's an eruption of noise at the other end. In a Premier League game where there is a smaller away allocation, it kind of sort of kills things. And there it does look a little bit, it does feel as if the emotion's been sucked out of an occasion rather than being pumped back in again with the VAR intervening. But although I think the calibration of camera and when you touch the ball, when you kick it and all that kind of stuff will come into debate, ultimately it has been like this throughout the course of the campaign. So I think it was always going to be that at some point it was going to have an impact in a major cup final. You know, you either accept all of it or you accept none of it. And at the end of the day, you know, we've accepted it all for the whole of the season. On Brendan Rodgers, the first British coach since Harry Redknapp to win the Cup, he spoke to me about that, almost imploring chairman to bring through the best of British coaches. I was really happy for him. Seven finals, seven wins. No one spoke about that before the game. In England, I think he's perceived a little bit differently to how he's perceived in Scotland or was perceived in Scotland before he left. Uh, I hope this puts him in the top bracket where he deserves to be, Alex. Yeah, there's that Twitter account, isn't there? Deluded Brendan, but I don't think he's a figure of fun anymore. Uh, His reputation, which maybe took a harsh kicking after the fact he didn't win the title for Liverpool. Maybe we should have focused more on the fact that he came so close to ending their long title drought than actually the way they ended without Steven Gerrard slip. But he redeemed his reputation in Scotland, did wonders at Celtic. And he's done fantastic at Leicester. And you're right, they need to be talked about as one of the big clubs now, a big seven, if you like. And and that's largely thanks to, to Brendan Rodgers. But there were so many narratives from this cup final. I thought the way that Brendan spoke about what it meant to the people of Leicester, the fact they'd been to four finals and lost, clearly gemmed up on his history. I think he struck the right tone. Wes Morgan coming on and admitting to you afterwards that he 
his trophy winning days were over. I mean, I saw him playing League One for Nottingham Forest against Bournemouth. I certainly didn't think then that he would go on and become a Premier League and an FA Cup winner. And obviously the chairman's son as well, Vichai's son, looking up to the heavens, getting involved in the celebrations, cajoled by Kasper Schmeichel. And I think if you look at the last few weeks and months, the relationship between club owners and even their own staff, their managers and players, has been called into scrutiny. What you saw there was a, a group of players and a club who were so together. And, and he was very much part of those celebrations. It was heartwarming. I think it's the only way to describe it. Yeah, and uh, Kasper Schmeichel, the first goalkeeper to captain a team to FA Cup glory in 18 years, had a major part in the actual game itself, Danny, didn't he? Because he made two brilliant saves. Uh, one from Ben Chilwell, which I think may have been destined for the post anyway, but he had to make sure of it. The second one from Mason Mount wins them the FA Cup. Oh, definitely. And, and that's why I think you know, over the past, uh, probably the last 10 years, goalkeepers really been recognised with their importance. You know, it was always sort of the team and then the goalkeeper. Uh, maybe it was, uh, perhaps, obviously, we had Peter Schmeichel and then sort of Petr Cech was one of maybe one of the first, they were sort of the first real goalkeepers. We thought, ah, without these, how many points do you lose? David Seaman, do you think he comes into that category? I, I don't think he does. I think he was overlooked and I think he was maybe underrated at that point. No one ever said, oh, David Seaman gets you 15 points a season. You know, Peter Schmeichel, possibly, um, towards the end of, of, of that era at Manchester United. Petr Cech, definitely. That was sort of the first era, I think, of, of goalkeepers where we sort of looked at him and went, oh yeah, a goalkeeper can really make a difference to your team. Before, you either had a good goalkeeper or he was rubbish. You know, that, that, that was sort of where it was at. Uh, and I think, yeah, Casper made a, a couple of outstanding saves. Uh, but I think a lot of credit needs to go to, to Brendan Rodgers, you know, with, with winning a cup final. Pochettino never managed it. Oli's going to Solskjaer hasn't managed that yet. Everyone talks about Brendan Rodgers being a great coach, uh, a, great, a great players manager. You know, he interacts with the players very, very well. But you'll always be judged on trophies. And, it, and everyone will always say, yeah, but it's only Scotland. It's only, you know, you've only got to beat one team to win the league. You've only got to win, you know, a couple of games to win the cup, that type of thing. So I think to come down to Leicester, go so close last season to get in the Champions League, looks like they might do it again this year and winning a trophy. I think, you know, Brendan Rodgers has done fantastically well. He said to me afterwards, Sam, I wanted to come to Leicester and compete. The fact that I've come to a final and win it is probably beyond most people in Leicester's wildest dreams. That's a major feather in the cap. So the idea of now, you know, I was trying to build up the fact that he played Chelsea again on Tuesday and it's another big final. And he was like, the fact that we're competing for these honours is a major, major tribute to the way this club is run. Um, let's do a little bit of, of, of Chelsea fallout because we haven't mentioned too much about them yet. I thought Thomas Tuchel tried to be a little bit too clever with uh, James and Athpilicueta switching positions. The idea, I think, was to nullify Vardy's threat in behind, but it's pretty unnecessary, really. Vardy hasn't had too many, too much of an impact on games recently. James so effective whipping balls in, you can't deny yourself that. And, and remember, a week ago, he'd almost ended Benjamin Mendy's Manchester City career. So it seemed weird not to have him in that position. Also, questions need to be asked about the alienation of Tammy Abraham. doesn't make sense, does it, really? I, I get it if you've got an alternative, but they haven't, Crook. 
No, um, and I, I guess in some ways it's ironic that the winning goal, as fantastic it was, came from a mistake by Rhys James. I have to say, probably the only mistake he made all afternoon. I actually think he did quite well in that position, but you're right. It was probably a needless level of respect that Thomas Tuchel showed Leicester and Jamie Vardy, maybe doing a bit of a Pep Guardiola in the Champions League in the recent past and overcomplicating it because as well as James did in that position take away the mistake, clearly Athletic Equator doesn't offer the same threat going forward. So by moving him inside, you, you lose one of your biggest assets out wide in terms of penning the opposition back. The, the Abraham situation is baffling um, because Timo Werner, as much as he's improved under Thomas Tuchel, he's got great movement, he's got pace to get in behind, he can't finish. And that's a major issue well, you say if, if you're the lone striker. He scored less goals under Tuchel than he did under Frank Lampard. Yeah, but I, th- I think his all-round game has improved. You, you, you as a Chelsea fan would admit that. But, but the, you know, the, the, the statistics don't lie. He's not scoring goals on a regular enough basis. Left it too late probably to bring on Olivier Giroud to make an impact. And, and tell me, Abraham, you've got a player who since the start of last season has scored more goals than anybody else for Chelsea. And this could go very wrong now for Thomas Tuchel because coming into the weekend, we were talking about what a fantastic end of the season it could be, winning the FA Cup, finishing the top four, possibly winning the Champions League. Well, actually, they could reverse all of those things. They could lose the FA Cup final. They already have. They could miss out on the top four and they'll probably lose the Champions League final now based on what we saw at the weekend. All of a sudden, question marks will be asked about whether actually it was the right thing to do to replace Frank Lampard. Have they moved any further forward? I think they have, Alex, but but I agree with you. The the over-tinkering... You know, Reese James is a far better wing-back than Aspilicueta is. Aspilicueta is a far better centre-half than Reese James is. So you've disrupted two positions for no apparent reason, just for doing it for the sake of it. That, that, that's what it... I, I don't... I cannot... He's trying to nullify a guy who hasn't, who's scored two goals in 24 appearances, basically. Yeah, but Aspilicueta is a fantastic defender. He's, better, he's a better defender than Reese James. But I suppose the, the question is, in the last FA Cup final, we got done in that position, didn't he? And, and, and maybe, maybe there was some sort of relationship Well, Thiago Silva's 45, whatever he is. Do you know what I mean? It didn't leave him out of the team. Experience as a defender, especially in a back three, is the most important thing. You defend the width of the box. You don't get sucked out. That's why you have fit lads running up and down as wingbacks that can run all day. And that's why I've Reese James doing that to get back and help you out. Don't over tinker with it. You know, I was, I, I didn't quite understand that. I don't really like Kepper in goal. I know he didn't do anything particularly wrong in this, but I just think, is the Kepper going to play in the Champions League final? No. So why would you not play your strongest team in a cup final? I wonder how the Chelsea board see this treatment of Tammy Abraham because by not picking him, each week his transfer value is going down. You are devaluing a player who obviously, if Thomas Tuchel stays in charge, you are going to have to sell. I mean, we're in a situation now where clubs up and down the country are playing their fringe players, certainly the clubs who've got nothing to play for, just to put them in the shot window. Thomas Tuchel is doing the complete opposite with Tammy Abraham. Something must have happened, Alex, in training. I understand that it hasn't. I, I, you know, as far as well, I Well, either that or, or Chelsea. Chelsea, well, yeah, Chelsea are very, very good at keeping their cards close to their chest. Well, that, that, that's what, but that's what I mean. You know, he might not fancy him because he's not good enough in training. He's not seeing what he wants him yeah, to I, do. Yeah, that is true. I, I, I understand <coughs> not, that he, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not he, saying they've had a bust-up or they've had a row or anything like that. I'm saying, you know, no, but because the way they train, I don't think 
Tammy can show his talents because obviously his talent is goal scoring. You know, I think his ratio to putting the ball in the net from chances created is quite high. His minutes per goal ratio is one of the best in the Premier League, actually. Um, the, 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 the Werner situation is a bit like Patrick Bamford at Leeds. I know Baxter has scored a lot of goals this season, but last season missed loads of chances. Season before that, missed some absolute sitters, you know, on par with what Werner's missed, you know, this season. Even this season has missed quite a lot of big chances, but he does a job for the team and Bielsa loves that. And that's why he's number, number, the number nine all the time. And maybe that's the way he's looking at Werner, that he's, he does a job for the team that he wants him to do. And that's why he plays him every, every week. And, and it's not just about goal scoring for him, which again, I, I think I is a risk. Surprised. I was surprised they didn't play Havertz in the cup final, bearing in mind that Leicester haven't looked particularly steely in the last few weeks. And you've got someone who's pretty tricky on the edge of the box. I thought that was a bit of a surprise. Anyway, let's talk about how this affects the context of Tuesday night's game because this is massive now. Chelsea-Leicester, 8-15, Tuesday night. That becomes a, a really fascinating match and probably the tipping point for both these clubs as to whether or not they get into the Champions League. Who wins it, Alex? said it would be very hard to make a definitive conclusion. I know you're of the belief that, that Chelsea will be a wounded animal and will bounce back. I view it slightly differently because I think all the pressure in many ways is on Chelsea. If, if Leicester do miss out on the top four, yes, it will be a disappointment, but they've got the FA Cup. They've got the trophy, the, a trophy they've never won. So they can almost see this as a free hit and play pressure-free. And actually, despite the fact the results have been good under Thomas Tuchel. There have been some poor performances along the way. His first game against Wolves, twice against Arsenal. It's not a Chelsea team that necessarily just roll up and click into gear every game. Chelsea are better so when they're could, underdogs. Which they won't be in, in this game. So I, I wouldn't put it past Leicester as long as the FA Cup final celebrations haven't gone on for too long. And I think they were back in training actually as, as early as Sunday morning. I think Leicester can go there and get a result. Well, I did see a picture of Jamie Vardy in a McDonald's in bed this morning. So uh, I don't think they were in early for training. Danny, who wins the game on, uh, on that might be every night? That might be every Sunday, though, <laughs> for Jamie Vardy. Probably could be. Why not? He's fit enough. He'd get away with it, just about. I think, again, it's, it's going to be really tight. You know, sort of head says Chelsea that they, you know, they're going to bounce back and... They really need to win it. And on, on paper, as we all know, they're, they're a better, better squad, uh, more strength in depth. He can probably afford to rotate a little bit and bring in some fresh legs. And that might be the biggest difference. Yes, you know, and, and it's, it's not about the over-celebrations, but what it does do mentally would have been incredibly tiring. And those celebrations would have been very, very draining for Leicester. You know, they would be on such a high. How do you continue that you know how do you keep going at that level after you know such an amazing result it mentally it would have taken an awful lot out of them hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Absolutely vital goal. It's come right on half time. It's Fulham nil, Burnley 2. It's a fantastic finish. Wood got the ball, then got it back actually from Brownhill, and he's lashed it in from just inside the penalty area. I hasten to say that if I was a fan of someone like Burnley, Newcastle, Southampton, or Brighton, I would just about be lighting up that cigar. I can't believe what I've just seen. Allison has scored the winner with the last opportunity of the game. It's come from a corner. Allison came up for it. He's headed the ball into the back of the net. The Liverpool keeper has kept alive their hopes of. Champions League football. That will be the last passage of play in this game. It's Jimmy Glass of a different standard here. Whoever slips on Tuesday, and someone has to drop points, Liverpool know that thanks to their win over West Brom, they can reach the Champions League places if they win all of their games in all likelihood. This has become a huge game for them against Burnley on Wednesday. It's live and it's only on TalkSport. And it's been set up perfectly by one of the most terrific goals I think I've ever seen. Alisson, the goalkeeper, who's had a tragic time. He's lost his father in, a, in an accident earlier in the, in the year. And he's been incredibly emotional, avoided interviews about it because of that recently. But, wow, what a goal. Goalkeepers don't score many, but when they do, if they score them like that, I mean, it's the first time that a Liverpool goalkeeper's ever scored a goal, would you believe, Crookie? Well, yeah, I would believe that because goalkeepers don't score very often. But, I mean, it was... It was an incredible moment. It will go down as one of the iconic Premier League moments if Liverpool go on and claim a place in the Champions League. Not to be too cynical about it, I would like to say well done to the West Brom defence for leaving him completely unmarked when he came up for that corner. I think I, I'm, I'm six foot four, he's six foot three. I think if I was left unmarked inside the box of the Hawthorns, I'd like to think that maybe I could have scored that header. Oh, I don't uh, know. And I can't. I can't he, hit the ball. He was, he was quite sharp. His movement off the blocks was quite quick, you know, Crookie. Yeah. <laughs> and his leadership was that, quite good as I'm well. I'm not sure you'd have got there. <laughs> but that aside, listen, obviously it's a fantastic moment personally for Alisson. It could be a season-defining, a season-changing moment for Liverpool because if they'd not won the game, I think it would have been a massive order for them to get in the Champions League. But having watched the game, I I'm still can't say with any conviction that they will go to Burnley, who they've had problems with already this season, and definitely win because it wasn't a great Liverpool performance. And even though they beat Manchester United away from home 4-2, they conceded two goals in that game to Manchester United. Burnley lost on on Saturday to Leeds 4-0. I mean, they were absolutely battered. They did have a couple of good chances in the game, but, you know, they were well beaten by Leeds. They've actually set a new record of nine home league games without 
a win, which is probably sort of putting more ticks in the Liverpool to win column. But Danny, you're you're one of the most cynical people that I know. Um, let's let let's let's just change the narrative slightly because all the headlines are Liverpool are going to qualify for the top four. It's a great story, but because they've come from such a way back, it, it feels like a bigger story than it really is. Basically, this is a team that were top at Christmas and fell dramatically. They won the title by 18 points last year. They should be in the top four. Oh, definitely. Uh, they're riding the crest of a wave at the moment and that golf malice and it's just, oh, brilliant. Everything's positive. But actually, you're right. If, if you look at it properly, lost nine games this season. That's crazy. You know, and where they've been, they, their, their performances have been poor, really, really poor. I think the Burnley result to Leeds is bad news for Liverpool because I think Sean Dyche will have them unbelievably organised. They will go back to basics and they will make it very, very hard. I can see this being a 1-1 or even a 0-0 and they're making it very, very difficult for Liverpool. But you're right, Liverpool have underperformed massively. Even if they squeak into the Champions League positions, you can't really call it a successful season. You can say, you know what, they've got away with it. Okay, maybe that's just the... But the narrative is not that, is it? The, the narrative they've been decimated by injuries and they've... they've but who hasn't? All their way in. Who, I mean, who hasn't I, been decimated by injuries? I've got no problem with Liverpool, but I just... I, I kind of think that Leicester deserve more credit because they've had just as many injuries. <laughs> well, this is what I mean. You know, Manchester City haven't had Sergio Aguero for the whole season. He's kicked... The, you know, he's hardly kicked a ball. West Ham have had big injuries. Newcastle have had big injuries. Everton have had big injuries. Everybody in this COVID-hit season has had massive injuries. Liverpool had the opportunity in the transfer window to rectify the Gomez and Van Dijk issue. That's the only injury, really, that has been a major concern. They brought Thiago in, so losing Henderson shouldn't be a problem. You've still got the likes of James Milner that's been fit in there. Fabinho came back quite early on in the season, obviously when they were top at Christmas, has played, you know, hasn't really been injured since then. Liverpool had the opportunity to go out and buy some decent centre-halves, and they failed miserably at doing that. Has anyone seen Ben Davis, by the way? I mean, is that the most, is that the most pointless transfer in the history of the Premier League? Um, but it, Danny's absolutely right. I'm, I'm not buying into that narrative that Darren Lewis pedals week after week that Liverpool are the most unlucky team in the country. I'm, I'm just not having that. And I think, again, if, if you look at the fact they let Hal Robson-Carnu score a Premier League goal against them, Chris Wood could have a field day against those two central defenders. That's why I don't think this is necessarily a foregone conclusion, even how bad Burnley were at the weekend, that Liverpool can just roll up there and batter them. Yeah, but I I know it sounds ridiculous, but I am of the opinion that um, now it's sort of flip-flops and sun cream weather for Burnley, isn't it? You know, are they going to put it in? A lot of these teams, when it comes to the end of the season... You come off the bridle five, six, seven percent. That's it. It's all over. Yeah, yeah but that, that's that's dangerous sometimes. That's very, very dangerous because sometimes you get those where they just go out and they and all of a sudden they're playing with no pressure. They're playing with a complete freedom, and you get some freak results. You know, we, we've Sheffield seen, United did that against Everton. Yeah, it's not really much of a freak result. They've lost at home more often than I can even add up on my fingers this season. They've lost almost every game at Goodison Park. But what is it? When, when that Stoke, performance. When that Stoke, performance from Sheffield United. Stoke beat Liverpool how many on the last day of the season? Seven. Did anybody see that coming? <laughs> it's a good point. You know, well, sure, surely, you know, Stoke mid-table obscurity at that point. Half of them in Marbella, half of them in Ayanapa, wherever they were heading next, you know, the, the day after. And they absolutely battered Liverpool. You, you just, 
there's, there's no reason for it. There's no form table for it. But at the end of the season, you always get some very, very strange results. I think Liverpool will win. 8.15 on Wednesday night, live on TalkSport. Sounds like I'm picking on Liverpool a little bit here. But my favourite moment of the weekend was Mike Dean giving a few leaving presents out uh, when he gave a free kick just before the Liverpool goal because he got in Fabinho's way. Not because there was a foul by a Burnley player, because he got in Fabinho's way. He stopped, stopped the game and gave a free kick to Liverpool. They scored 10 seconds later. Oh, Mike, I'm not entirely sure that that's up to date with the laws of the game. But anyway, thanks very much. This is just nuts, it really is. Newcastle 3, Manchester City 4. Ferran Torres has now got a hat-trick. Harrison made it infield towards Rodrigo. He's beyond Peacock Farrell. And it's a simply wonderful fourth goal for Leeds United. That was absolutely stunning. Southampton 3, Fulham 1. Lovely goal this for Theo Walcott. Ball played to Nathan Teller, edge of the penalty area. Right-hand side, little back heel for where Walcott was just behind him. And he hit it first time with his right foot into the corner of the net. Here is Tielemans from distance, shooting towards oh, the mark. What a goal. It's a brilliant drive. Rodgers runs down the touchline to celebrate and Leicester lead in the FA Cup final. A point, in all honesty, does little for the Hammers' hopes of bringing European football to London Stadium next season. Brighton won, West Ham won. And it's glanced in by Mitchell. Tyreek Mitchell with surely the winner for Crystal Palace. They now have score and it's Pierre-Emil Hoiberg. He set up Kane for the first and he just slotted home the second goal. Spurs two, Wolves nil. I can't believe what I've just seen. Alisson has scored the winner with the last opportunity of the game. It's come from a corner. Alisson came up for it. He's headed the ball into the back of the net. The Liverpool keeper has kept alive their hopes of Champions League football. Everton nil, Sheffield United won. And just seven minutes into his full debut, Daniel Jebison has scored for Sheffield United. West Brom against West Ham, 8.15 on Wednesday night. West Ham have started to drop points at just the wrong time. They had a bit of the Brightons, didn't they, on Saturday night. Created chances, but not enough to get them past a seagull side who also missed one or two chances. But Tottenham's goal difference has complicated things. They now might not get any European football, West Ham. And if they do, it looks like it's going to be Conference League. I would kind of feel sorry for them if that happened, Crook. Yeah, although David Moyes was making the right noises going into the weekend, saying that he doesn't care if it's the Conference League, he just wants to be in Europe. And I think I think they will finish in the top seven now. We, we, we just mentioned Everton and, and their performance against Sheffield United stunk Goodison Park out and I think there's a three-point gap now between West Ham and and Everton and and you'd like to think that West Ham can get enough points between now and the season just to cement themselves in the top seven I think they deserve to be in the top seven they played quite well against Brighton as you've alluded to but didn't create that many clear-cut goal-scoring opportunities there were a lot of dangerous balls played into the penalty area that nobody really attacked with any conviction Jesse Lingard was actually kept quite quiet I think Opposing managers have worked out now that if you double up on Lingard, you stop an awful lot of the supply as far as West Ham are concerned. And they've stopped keeping clean sheets as well at just the wrong moment. I think probably Danny mentioned there about emotional tiredness. I think physically and mentally their exertions of the season have caught up with West Ham now. But as I said to David Moyes after the game, let's have some perspective. 
uh, going into the weekend, they were already 19 points ahead of where they were at the same stage last season. Yeah. They've had a fantastic campaign. It's been a, a very progressive season. Even if they do miss out on Europe, I don't think we should lose sight of the job that he's done. No, and that's something that we've been saying for quite a while on this, on this programme. Um, I, I do want to mention that fifth is the Europa League group stage. Uh, sixth is Europa League qualifiers. Seventh is Europa Conference League. Um, and before you ask me, what on earth is the Europa Conference League? I, I think it's I have like, no idea. I think it's like the, the Zenith Data Systems Cup for European <laughs> football. I know. I think I think it's the Zenith Data and the Johnson's Paint Trophy rolled into one right, of yeah. European football, something like that. Yeah, I think okay. it's a playoff round you go into as well, so it would mean the season starting. I think it's the competition. So, so it's the competition. <laughs> yeah, the competition that you don't aspire to be in. I would say. I, 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 listen, we don't want to disrespect it because we don't know what it's about, but I think that's the problem. We don't really know what it's about. And no one's been sold the dream of going to a Europa Conference League final. Well, because it's, fu- it's full of teams that have finished mid-table. That's we the problem. We don't know because we don't even know really what it's like to be in it. Well, I, I suppose well but it's still going to be a team. It's, it's, mid, it's, mid-table, it's a mid-table cup. Juventus might be in it. You never know. Well, I think they might win it if they take it seriously. If they do. I, I think, I think it, it, could be a, it could be a European competition for kids, couldn't it? Where a lot of teams play their under-23s or whatever. Yeah. I mean, if Arsenal got into it, they might do that. But then again, half of their team is an under-23 squad anyway. Um, a quick England watch from your game. West Ham beating Brighton. Declan Rice played. Looked a little bit rusty. Was at fault for the goal. Percy Tower run off his back. Produced the ball for Danny Welbeck. Apart from that, I mean, I mean, I suppose it's just great that he's getting some fitness under his belt, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think Gareth Southgate was there necessarily to, to run the rule over Declan Rice because he's going to be in the squad if fit, whatever else happens. I think Jesse Lingard probably was more under the microscope. But I'll tell you who would have stood out, and it's probably too late for this squad, although they have been rocked by injuries in that position. Ben White was outstanding for Brighton. This tournament might come too soon, but he will be an England international in the future. No question about that. Should, should never less Leeds, Alex. Uh, I said, you know, when, when he was... No, because the way that he was playing, he was settled. He was playing in a team. He understood the way that Bielsa wanted to play. He was playing in midfield at times. He was, he was one of the key men. He was one of the... He was the star. He was the best player. He was the best defender in the championship by an absolute mile at Leeds. You then go back to another club, and I know it's your parent club, but he hadn't been there for a while, and it's sometimes difficult to settle in and learn a new style of play, learn about new players and all those type of things. I think if he'd have stayed at Leeds, he'd have had an even better season and he would have got a lot more plaudits this year. He hasn't struggled. He's played more minutes than anybody else for Brighton this season. Uh, yeah, but, he's but, okay. he's not, but he's not been... At Leeds, week in, week out, he was getting man-of-the-match performances. The, you know, the way he was being asked to play, the defending he was doing, he was superb. I just think he's gone up, not necessarily under the radar, but his performances hasn't been as great the as they were. Leeds, well, as, Leeds, as they Leeds would are going to finish in the top half and Brighton have just about made to, got themselves away from relegation trouble. I mean, I suppose the perception is is that he's been involved in a team that were fighting relegation. Yeah, Even of course it is. And, and, as, Brighton, slightly different to that. But as a centre-half, you're always going to be judged on your goals column. You know, And if you keep losing games and you're at the wrong end of the table, it's difficult to say that, oh, you've been outstanding. So is he the reason that Leeds uh, conceded so many goals in the first half of the season? Every chance. 
wouldn't surprise yeah, me. But again, it's, it's, it's interesting, Sam, using that word perception because the perception that you're putting across there is that Brighton have struggled defensively. The opposite is actually true. Mm. I think only Manchester City and Manchester United have conceded more goals. Their problem is scoring. Conceded goals. fewer goals from open play this season than Brighton. And listen, Gareth Southgate, I'm sure, would have been paying close attention to him. It'll be one that he's earmarked for the future. And I know for a fact, Danny, and this probably hurts you um, as, as a Leeds man the biggest clubs in the land are scouting Ben White. If he does leave Brighton, it it won't be for Leeds. It will be for Liverpool or Manchester United or a club of that ilk. Alex, I I said uh, Christmas before, before, I don't know, whenever, whenever, before the lockdown, uh, before the first lockdown, I said, if I was Manchester City, Chelsea, whatever, I'd have gone straight to Brighton at that time, 20 million quid, let him stay at Leeds for the rest of the season, but we want him. End of story. And at that time, it wouldn't I have think, taken twenty million quid. They well, I think, have taken no, 20 million I think quid. at the time it was about it was the it was about a seventeen. Leeds had an offer they could have bought him for seventeen million, and weren't sure because they didn't know if they were going up. One of those other clubs should have just gone, even if they'd gone twenty five and just gone. Brighton would have easily taken that after being out on loan for six months. They'd have t- at that time at Christmas they'd have taken twenty five million, no problem okay. whatsoever. Um, Everton Wolves is a six o'clock kickoff on Wednesday. We said in the uh, preview on Thursday night, nice home, easy fixture for Everton. That worked out well at the weekend. They lost to Sheffield United, who had a 17-year-old kid up front. I was doing the Women's Champions League final, so I don't know what it was like. Um, So what what happened? Well, as someone who transferred Luca Dean and had Dominic Calvert-Lewin leading the line in my fantasy league team. I had great expectations for Everton in this fixture. Maybe it was foolhardy, given that you've already mentioned their dreadful home record. But it's Sheffield United, for goodness sake. Everybody hammers Sheffield United. They didn't create anything. Everton United got beat by them at home. There was one chance in the first half where Dominic Calvert-Lewin has managed to miss from two yards. It was a great double save from Ramsdale, but Calvert-Lewin really should have tucked away um, the second of those opportunities. Apart from that, and one or two long-range shots that Ramsdale dealt with comfortably, this wasn't a fluke from Sheffield United. They, they dropped David McGoldrick into a sort of number 10 role. He was playing like an Iesta at one stage. It was ridiculous. He, he ran the game in, in that position. Obviously, the fantastic story on a weekend of emotional stories with a young lad coming and scoring. But this is just a dreadful result for Everton. They've spent millions, hundreds of millions on that team. They've got a manager with one of the best CVs in world football and they're going to finish ninth again. They, uh, Carlo Ancelotti has actually been linked with a return to Real Madrid after it was revealed over the weekend that Zinedine Zidane has told his players that he's going to leave at the end of the season. Um, Wolves, who they play on Wednesday night, all over the shop at the back against Tottenham Hotspur. Connor Cody had a very... Good first half, despite the fact that they ended up conceding a goal. He made about 10 or 15 blocks in the course of the 90 minutes. Uh, I think the continuing chopping and changing of, of three to four to four to three has caused them all sorts of problems. And it's not actually really Cody who's the problem. I mean, I think we sort of associate, oh, he can only play in a three. That's not the case, actually. He's all right. It's the person they put alongside him who seems to just completely go wandering every time. So I don't know what with Wolves. The problem with that is as well though, Sam, as great as he's done and making sort of 10, 12 blocks, shouldn't really be making that many blocks as a centre-half. No, you You shouldn't need to. Because a a sliding tackle, a a block, that's last ditch. 
you know, and that means you're right up against it. That's not his fault. He, he, he's, you know, he, he's the last chance that they've got, you know, before the goalkeeper. But the rest of the defending from the team is, is appalling at times. Should Absolutely fascinating all over game. The Everton, terrible at home. Wolves, generally terrible. Um, play each <laughs> got, other. Do I stick with Calvert-Lewin and Luke? It's got nil-nil written all over it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Gareth Southgate was watching that uh, Tottenham Wolves game at uh, the weekend. And, uh, well, I'm sure he saw a couple of good things from Harry Kane and a few others as well. Deli Ali actually played well in that match too. Uh, Tottenham against Aston Villa is uh, a game which takes place in midweek as well. Spurs named a, a really aggressive team in that match against Wolves. They probably should have won by more. Kane um, and Salah going neck and neck for the golden boot. It's going to go to the wire. Um, Kane played well. Ali, man of the match, too late for him to, to stake a claim, Danny, for the Euros? I think it probably is. Um, he's not been involved for, for some time. You know, and I think Gareth will be looking at the squad and thinking, you know, Jesse Lingard in that position has had a really good six months. You know, at the moment, would you take Deli Alley off the back of one game, two games over Jesse Lingard? Probably not, especially when he's had Lingard before, knows what he can do. And I think people underestimate that at times. You're going to have a squad of 26 players. 15 at least of those aren't going to play much football at all. So you've got to have good characters that are not happy, but accepting of their role of being a squad player. Yeah. You don't need any disruptive influences at all within that. And, and Ali, if he's not in the team, I suggest he could well be one of those. I tell you, this is going to be a problem for England because they're going to pick 26 players, but you can only take 23 to each game. So there's going to be three players that are left on the sidelines or left behind for every match. And one of the things that Gareth has sort of formulated is this brilliant sort of close-knit community of a squad. And the idea that you're going to have people sitting in the stands and not doing something during a match of, of great proportions and of, of real import is going to cause a bit of an issue, I think. I, so I think character I think, comes into it. Yeah, well, I think you're sorry, Alex, before you come in. I, I think what he'll probably do is say to those three players, you are unlikely to be involved unless you are really needed within that. That's just being honest. That's letting them know where they stand. Because if you keep chopping and changing, that's no good for anybody. You're almost saying to those three players, look, you're in the squad, you're on standby. If anything happens, you'll be called upon, but don't really expect it. Is, is that where you maybe take one or two younger players to fill those squad places, much like Terry Venables did at Euro 96. I think Rio Ferdinand, I'm right in saying, was part of that squad, obviously didn't play, but got tournament experience of being in and around the group. And also, if you take someone like a Ben White from Brighton, he isn't going to be a disruptive influence because he will just be grateful to be there. You're dead right. Um, you know, you say that, not all young players that get into their first England squads are uh, you know, good and behave well. <laughs> Yeah, especially if it's in Iceland, uh, wherever it might be. Um, but no, but I think generally you're, you're right. You, you need that. If you're 24, 25, 26, chances of you being thrown into it are unlikely. I know it happened to Trevor Sinclair in 02, you know, when, when Trevor came in late and then ended up playing, obviously, the majority of the tournament after being sort of sent home from, from standby, landing at Heathrow and then flying straight back out again um, to, to South Korea. <laughs> yeah, but his air miles went up. He's been oh, he was literally Phileas Fogg around the world um, in opposite <laughs> directions. But uh, I think, yes, he's right. You know, you can afford to be have those players that you're not quite sure about, maybe a little bit younger, 
that aren't going to be, you're not going to take Deli Alley as 24, 25. You know, that's certainly not going to happen and say to him, like, you're going to sit in the stand just in case we need you. That, that's going to cause issues immediately. You don't need that sort of thing happening to you. The problem that England are going to have is finding their fit, fit players. Yeah. You know, six months ago, we were like, oh my God, this England team is going to be absolutely awesome. Look at the talent that we've got on show. Everybody's fit. Everybody's playing well. And suddenly now, it's well, Sterling hasn't played for ages. Calvin Phillips has been out for a while. Declan Rice has been out. Jordan Henderson's been out. That's the midfield gone. Um, you know, you start looking around. Okay, we know that Foden and, and Mount Grealish is only just coming back into it. Is he really yeah, fit? Yeah, but Maguire, Mings. Maguire could. Maguire yeah, so, worries you. Well, um, yeah. So, so suddenly you're looking at oh, actually what what we thought was probably going to be the starting eleven. Four or five of those could be injured. I think it's a it's a byproduct. Very quickly on this before we move on, it's a byproduct of how strong the Premier League is. And again, we'll go back to that Everton Sheffield United game. In other leagues around the world, Sheffield United comfortably bottom of the table. Everton could have rested four or five players if they were sixth in the Bundesliga and still hammered the bottom club. You can't do that in the Premier League. Every game is ultra competitive. And that's why it's asking an awful lot of our players with a short turnaround on the back of a truncated season to suddenly be fully match fit, fully match sharp, match sharp and not have any after effects. And that's why I don't see England as favourites for this tournament by any stretch of the imagination. Um, right, uh, quickly on Crystal Palace against Arsenal, Wednesday, 7 o'clock. That's also live on our app. We've got loads of fixtures on our app this week uh, because we've got so much football for you. Uh, can Arsenal accept that Europe is beyond them now? Um, yes, it is. There's too big a gap. You know, we're talking about seventh place. They're four points behind that. You're asking West Ham and, and probably Spurs as well to, to slip out. They've, they've got two winnable fixtures, Arsenal away at Palace and at home to Brighton, but you wouldn't put your mortgage on it, would you? Especially if, if Palace is going to be an emotionally charged occasion. Roy Hodgson waving goodbye to Selhurst Park. That could be a more tricky game than maybe it looks on paper. Live on Talk Sport on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, Brighton, who we've touched on, against Manchester City, the champions of England. Um, Neil Mopé and Dunk suspended... Uh, because of the uh, second red cards they got this season. Um, what did um, that Scott Carson selection tell you about uh, Manchester City playing Newcastle on, on Friday night? Pep has a wonderful warmth as a human being, or, well, you know, he knew all about our Newcastle's attack. Danny? I, th- I think that is just a case of flip-flops on, let's forget about the league. There's one game that matters to Manchester City let's keep ticket over let's try and keep the feel good factor uh, so I think they, they will have to put I, I think that was maybe the game we thought oh, you know what we can rest a few in this one you know we, we can play around with this give the lads a little bit maybe of an easier week in training have that sort of few days downtime relaxing and now it's ready to start going again uh, so you, you know, think now, they're going to go all guns blazing when they play Brighton on, on Tuesday night? Seven. I think it will be a much, much stronger team because suddenly now you're thinking, Pep's right, thinking... Get ready for the final. Yeah, and, and maybe he might leave it till the very last game of the season. Uh, but I think you know that can sometimes be a little bit of a, of a parade, can't it? So I think this one will be right. We've, we've had a rest. We're back at it now. This is what we, you know, we really need to, to go for it. Just start sharpening up getting ready for that Chelsea game. 
It's an unusual situation though, isn't it? Because obviously this game is away. There'll be uh, nearly 8,000 Brighton fans in the stadium, but you mentioned the last home game is usually a parade. There will be home supporters at the Etihad. So surely if, if you're going to pick a, a strong team for one of the two games, you want to bow out on a high in front of your own supporters, don't you, when you lift the trophy? My, yeah, well, I, I think it'll be... Well, they usually have everybody involved in that anyway. So I'm sure the, the, the celebration at the end of that game on Sunday uh, will be... And, and, uh, and that's, the, that's the problem, Sam. That's what I mean by the procession because it's the, the players know they're getting the trophy at the end of that game. That, that game, the build-up is completely different. You know, and again, it will be because obviously there'll be fans in the in the crowd and for the first time and, and everything else. But the lead up to that will be incredibly different because you know that you won't be going through your normal routines. There'll be you know many more interviews, and you have they'll all have their shirts with champions written on it, and and all these types of things. The focus can get taken away on the last game of the season. I um I must admit on uh, Friday night I was I thought it was a great game. It was brilliant, fun, wasn't it? You know, four three, uh, Torres who happened to be in my fantasy team. So I was delighted that he got a hat-trick. Um, Cancelo scoring again. He played well. He actually hit the post as well. I thought it was a, yeah, it was, it was just a swashbuckling end-to-end encounter and it was, it was good fun. Um, the one thing that really sort of endeared me to Manchester City, though, is that, is that they celebrated their title with beer and pizza, my two favourite things. So uh, Pep and I have got even more in common than I first thought. Um, Manchester United take on Fulham on Tuesday night at six o'clock. One win and second place would be theirs, Manchester United. Um, I, I suppose it couldn't have picked a better game to get out of their system that Liverpool match last Thursday. But I think it's interesting how they handle this occasion because they spent the last few weeks building Fort Knox around Old Trafford, insulating the place from people. And now they're inviting people into the ground. So what are we expecting to happen when fans get back in? Well, you're saying they couldn't have picked a better game. I think they could have picked a better one. They could have picked an away game, um, not just because of their form. Not just because of their form uh, at Old Trafford, but also because of this issue with the protesters. And I know there was a quite a tense meeting on Friday uh, between United and, and various safety executives, in, including Trafford Council, actually dish out the, the safety certificate. And there was a possibility they weren't going to get a safety certificate yeah. and therefore would still have to play behind closed doors. They have got that safety certificate, but only late in the day on Friday. And I think there are genuine concerns that the protesters could infiltrate the, the match-going supporters. I know they've got a database. They're going to know exactly who's bought tickets, but there might be some people who don't care about being banned uh, for life from Old Trafford. They will see this as an opportunity to get their point across. So I think it could be a very tense build-up to the game. And, I hope and, not. And as, as I we've hope seen, not. Alex, as we've seen, it only takes 10, 15 people to get onto the pitch. Precisely. And that's it. Game off. And, 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 you did, and you did have the idiots who tried to let down tyres on what they thought was the Liverpool team coach in midweek. Again, going completely over the top and, and losing the message that they're trying that, to put across. That, that, that's proper 80s like detective stuff. Let's get a different bus and let's send another <laughs> bus out just in case. And we'll turn up in the Everton yeah. bus and surprise everyone. It was. That was, that was great, that, wasn't it? You know, that whole, it was very <laughs> was line a, of duty. That was a proper double bluff, wasn't it? We'll send the bus that way and we'll all go the different way out the back door. It was the fact that the bus had got sort of surrounded by uh, black four by fours. I thought, oh my God, I've seen this. Uh, this, happened to, uh, this happened to AC12 the other night. Um, anyway, um, we don't need AC12 to uh, pick too much into the bones of Southampton Leeds. That's a Tuesday six o'clock game. I suppose Leeds can finish in the top half if they get one more win, Danny, and that would be a magnificent achievement. Oh, it'd be absolutely incredible. 
Um, you know, as long as they finish above Villa, I'll be delighted because that means I can give it to Gabby Agbonahor. Plenty. Um, <laughs> Le- Leeds will no longer be a myth, will they? Um, I can't yeah. believe he, he's managed to survive the whole season um, by saying that they were a myth. It's coming back to haunt him. Oh, it's coming, it's, it's, it's coming back big time. Don't worry about it. Just got to make sure that they can't finish above Leeds and then he's going to get it both barrels. One win. No, I mean, it's, been a fan, it's been a fantastic season for Leeds. They're going to have to improve, I think, over, over the summer in terms of squad depth uh, to, to keep playing that way, which is now for their third season, really, it is mentally tiring, physically draining. And those players have, have played way beyond all expectations for three seasons in a row. And that's tough. Very, very tough to maintain that for four or five so seasons. So what happens next season? I mean, that, that's the question, isn't it? What happens next season? I think you have to, if you're going to continue to play the same way, which inevitably Bielsa will, you've got to bring in three or four players to add quality to that. I think you've got to look at a, and try and get maybe a number nine in to either push Patrick Bamford or be able to give him a rest or to, to come in ahead of him. Uh, I think defensively, they should be okay at centre-half because most of the, the new signers have been out this season. Um, so they've never really had those fit. I think you need another holding midfield player inside alongside Calvin Phillips. It, it can't be the linchpin all the time because when he's not in the team, it's very, very tough um, and Leeds do struggle. They're going to need a left-back. You know, Alioski has, has done a fantastic job as a fill-in, but that's what it's been. So they are going to need, I would say, three signings that are better than what they've got now to really sort of stay in that mid-table position next season. Uh, the last game that we haven't touched on yet is Newcastle against Sheffield United. That kicks off at six o'clock on Wednesday. Now, my usual joke here would be, okay, that's it from us. Uh, but no, I'm not going to do that. I will mention that uh, there's a little bit of rumours this week that Bruce sort of talking about whether moving on, not moving on. He's not going to leave unless he's sacked. They're not going to sack him because there's no reason for them to sack him and they'll have to pay him up. So the idea that the rumours linking them with a new manager, Dyche or Wilder, was probably a bit sort of spurious, really. I think the, the key question about this game, actually, is that this is the first time that Newcastle fans have gone into St. James's Park for a while and they've got a lot to say for themselves. It's going to be really fascinating to see what happens on Wednesday at six o'clock, I think. Yeah, it will be. Um, can I just say, first and foremost, there's no chance they'll get Sean Dyche. He's actually really well paid at Burnley. Newcastle under Mike Ashley tried to get Eddie Howe out of Bournemouth a few years ago. Wouldn't pay his wages. They're not going to pay for Sean Dyche. So oh, no, they, 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 they did that. give Alan Pardew an, an eight-year deal. Yeah, on, yeah well, I, on, on 50 grand a year. I, I, I think well, they had I their fingers burned with that one. But now, Sean Dyche isn't going to happen. Chris Wilder might end up at West Bromwich Albion. We haven't touched on, on Big Sam, but we should get a decision on his future before the last weekend of the season, the last game next Sunday. Um, I hope Newcastle fans don't just turn up and abuse Steve Bruce because this should be a celebration of Newcastle fans getting back in to see their team. Yes, some of the football hasn't been great at times, but ultimately, they're safe in the Premier League. That is mission accomplished as far as I'm concerned. And a quick Sheffield United manager update. Uh, as Paul Heckingbottom slowly but surely edged himself up the, the Hecking order? I'd, I'd be very surprised if he has. Uh, again, it, it's one of those, nothing to play. It's, it's easy. It's like when you go out second half and you're 3-0 down. It's easy to play. nobody wants to pay anybody any money. Some, I, I, well, they don't. They would, look, look. 
Ryan Mason is in charge of Tottenham. And, no well, no, that, due, and that, that is ridiculous. All due respect to Ryan, who I know and like, as you yeah, know. It, it's still ridiculous. It's still unbelievable that the thing, a club the, the size yeah. of Tottenham would do that. No, no one's hit the start button yet on the merry-go-round, have they, for the managers? No. You no. know, once it starts... Once Real Madrid lose Zidane and then they take somebody else and we know that Hansi Flick is leaving Bayern Munich, there will be a big shift. Well, yeah, because you're, you know, you're looking at Tottenham. You know, they're going to be looking for a new manager. You know, you've just said that Everton could possibly if... No, I think he'll stay. Well, but, but you, you think he'll stay. Real Madrid come knocking, who knows? You know, you, you never know. You know, Arsenal don't think they're going to get rid of him, but he's not been great, Mikel Arteta, as in any way, shape or form. What happens to Nuno? Where does he go? Does then Wolves need a new manager? Roy Hodgson's going. Sean Dyche, does he move on? And suddenly Burnley, you know, Brighton, could they lose their manager because he moves on to better things? There's, there's all sorts that can happen. He could have five or six, seven, eight, nine managerial changes. Okay. This is going to be a busy summer for me, if that is the case. Well, I'm sure you'll really complain about that. Yeah, taking calls in between hitting seven and six irons. Um, <laughs> Think uh, of the overtime. <laughs> overtime. Um, uh, let, a quick word on the, a game that I did on Sunday night was the Women's Champions League. The reason I mention it is, is this. I think it's actually quite significant that Chelsea have managed to get to the Women's Champions League final. I thought it was a brilliant achievement for them. Only two English clubs have ever managed to do that. It was Arsenal in 2007 and Chelsea in 2020. I think the quality of, of women's football was has been has gone up several notches and it's gone through the roof in terms of what we've seen recently. Lots of foreign players coming into the WSL and it's a really strong league as a result of that. And some of the, the best teams in that league, Chelsea, Manchester City, and at times Arsenal and Manchester United uh, are almost unplayable for some of the other teams in the league. But they really struggled in this game. I mean, it was a real hard watch. Um, I mentioned it was, it was a poor game. Chelsea were really poor from the start. They froze within 90 seconds. You know, they spent all this time, there's great, huge narratives and, and discussions about how well Emma Hayes had done her preparation, her education, the way she educates her players and she deals with people and man management. But actually, when it came to it, the, the whistle blew, they froze. They can see the goal in 37 seconds and Barcelona had already hit the crossbar by then and then they just fell to pieces. It was a real shame, actually, because it, it was supposed to be a celebration of women's football and it didn't feel like that. It, it, it felt really deflating. And I, and I know that they've worked incredibly hard to get to that point, and it's a shame. It'll be a learning curve, though. Um, I remember when Manchester United in the men's game took their first foray into the Champions League. They got knocked out by Galatasaray um, back in 1993. Then they got knocked out in the group stage by IFK Gothenburg. Then they kept meeting Juventus, couldn't beat them. Then they lost a semi-final to Borussia Dortmund. But eventually, it they did beat time. Juventus. You know, and, and then went on to win the Champions League. So I think this is this is a massive step in the right direction. Yes, they'll be hurting tonight. Clearly not the performance they wanted to put in, but I think long-term it could be good for their development. Yeah, and then same with the men's team, the Chelsea men's team. I mean, you think that it took Sir Alex Ferguson 13 years to win the, the, the Champions League. It took Chelsea from when they started to, to start really investing in the team probably nine years, I think it, it did. Manchester City have only got to their first Champions League Final under Pep well, but, that, but I think that's that's the biggest disappointment, Sam. When when you're that when you're good enough to get to the final, mm. and you get beat in the first thirty six minutes, but, and, you, and you're it out was of it, unbelievable. It was you're, unbelievable. You know, you're you're blown up. At, you shouldn't. You should be good enough to get to the Champions League final, not to be hammered in the first thirty five minutes. And I think on another day that would never have happened. But the, the first goal was such a freak goal 
They just went to pieces. They and and but, but, that, that, but then that, that becomes about character, and that becomes about that's unlike know. them. They've ne- you know they've only lost two games all season in all competitions. You know they they lost a, a player after thirteen minutes in a, a last sixteen game in the Champions League against Atletico Madrid, who had done very well the previous year, and, and, and managed to see the game through. They went behind against Bayern Munich at home and 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 came back and won that. It was just a very I think it's a, a very odd set of circumstances, and you know maybe some mistakes as well in terms of selection, but. It didn't work, and it is a shame, but they'll move on from it. Uh, We'll move on as well and get back to you on Thursday afternoon with Darren Lewis and Alex Crook looking ahead to the final weekend of the Premier League. Now, will there be a top-four race on Sunday? Uh, Who is going to finish in the Europa Conference League place? And uh, who's going to win the Golden Boot? All of those things to discuss with Darren and Alex on Thursday. Please download from wherever you get your podcasts and rate and review uh, the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.